The Ringer NBA show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official betting partner of the Ringer Podcast Network. Looking for a better way to bet online? With FanDuel Sportsbook, there are more ways to bet. If you can dream it, you can probably bet it through the FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel offers spreads, parlays, money lines, over-unders, props, and in-game bets all in an easy-to-use app. There are more ways to fund your account. Unlike other sports books, FanDuel accepts most major payment options. Check out the FanDuel Sportsbook app today to experience sports betting the way it always should have been. FanDuel, more ways to win. You have to be 21 years or older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Indiana, or Colorado. You have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Monday Ringer NBA show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network and Spotify. I'm Logan Murdoch, staff writer, NHT Steppa, president of the LA Sparks fan club, town representative, and I am joined as always by my co-host. I don't even know what he is. I don't know what he writes. Does he write a letter? Does he write anything? I know he's a curator of vibes. He's also the man that wears open-toed sandals in January. Word. What? I got him on right now. You know the vibes. Raja Bell. What's good, bro? I'm good. A little a little a sluggish today, bro. You know, the, the barbecue action and the, the late games, a little sluggish this morning. But it's I'm Labor cool. Day. Yeah. It's Labor Day. It's 8.30 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, Raja's in, on the East Coast. He's vibing right now. I'm chilling. I'm still waking up a little bit. I don't know if you knew. You got the fresh cut, though. You're looking like you... you like- yo, yo, listen, man. This I got a haircut last week f- for the first time in six months. I don't think I appreciated how just gratifying it is to get a haircut and how much just like how much of a pep in your step that it gives you bro that's a great feeling and a great way to describe it too man my hair was my hair was so long that i was tasting my mustache (laughs) you know what i mean it just wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't g real it wasn't good and i'm happy right now that i'm just good man i'm ready to go you know what i mean um, so <laughs> we got a lot to get into, man. We got we're talking Rockers, Rockets, Lakers today. We're talking Bucks, Heat. We're getting into some playoff stuff. Getting into some Giannis. Let's get into the the Rockets, Lakers, man. Lakers take game two. I just my first impression of this game is that the Lakers are a way way better team than the Rockets. They just love to cat off. They just love to fumble the bag. But you're still right. You're still scared, though, right? Like, because it's clear that they're a they look like a better team, but there's still fear in your heart. Yeah. Well, the thing is that the Rockets just play harder than the Lakers every time. It just play harder through larger stretches of the game. The Lakers got out to a huge lead. They 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 took a twenty point lead going on, and then they just fumbled it. They just stopped. They just stopped caring. <laughs> and that's that was the biggest thing. Like in game one, they let the Rockets get. So many offensive rebounds. There was LeBron doing the thing where he does, where he doesn't even close out on shooters. He just looks at them and then complains to other people about not playing defense. Then Anthony Davis just just stands there and doesn't box out, lets P.J. Tucker get all the rebounds. The Lakers did a little bit less of that in game two and they won. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I go through this all the time when I'm talking to people and I I find myself wondering if people 
think that I don't know basketball because what I always fall back on when we're talking about teams, you know, when you're comparing somewhat like apples to apples in the conversation, it's the team with the better energy, right? And it can, it sounds like you're oversimplifying it, but you're not. That when, when the Lakers came out in game one, Houston kicked their ass all over the court. Like it stuck out in all the hustle stats, the rebounds, the steals. You know, Houston was the one with the deflections. And then in game two, you know, for the large part of game two, the Lakers had that energy. They were flying around. Rondo was in the building, like, you know, with his hands on everything. You had LeBron making second rotations back into plays, which is, to your point, normally not like what he does. There's a trying to conserve some energy there. AD didn't get completely, you know, outworked on the glass. He only got beat by one, which is like, that's a problem for me. But it was only one rebound that P.J. Tucker out rebounded him by. So it's it sounds like an oversimplification at times, but it's re- it's real. It's energy. The Lakers are, are, are a better team. I the I think if the Lakers were just locked in, this would be a five game series. If they were just if they played with as much energy as the Rockets do, be a five game series. But you touched on you got something to say on that one. I just wanted to follow up because I think what they coupled with that energy was just a little bit of schematics that really um, highlighted you know kind of some of the stuff that that Houston doesn't do well. And I felt like their game plan in game one. Um, highlighted their deficient their deficiencies defensively, the Lakers, that is. And it really gave Houston an opportunity to do what they do. Get to the rim, like, you know, uh, spread you out, collapse your defense, and then kick out to those shooters. And then that zone type of high trap on Harden really, really threw a wrinkle at Houston that they weren't comfortable with, at least early in the game. Yeah, well, the, the, it was it was like a hybrid zone kind of thing, like a man zone that they were playing. And I think uh, Kelly Eco of The Athletic had a really good uh, column about this, about how the Rockets don't play well when they're not assertive. The other team, the other players do not play well when they're not assertive. And you saw that um, when they trapped uh, James Harden, he's kicking it out to Austin Rivers and kicking it out to all, all these guys. And game one, they were hitting those shots. They were, they were on it on those. And in game two, they were a little bit hesitant. Um, you know, Robert Covington, he gets his shot in the corner. Instead of just shooting it, he's pump faking. You know, he's passing it away. Daniel House, same thing, passing it away. Austin Rivers did not play well in game two, passing the ball away. And the Rockets play better when they are more assertive with their jump shots. That is what it is. And when you when the Lakers see doubt in there and when they're giving Westbrook, who we're going to get to in a second, we got a lot to talk about with Westbrook, but giving him open threes, just saying shoot it. They're they're all doing LeBron closeout when Westbrook has the ball beyond the beyond the arc. You know <laughs> what I mean? They're not even caring. They, right. they it might as well be me shooting. You know what I mean? And I think that the Rockets need to be more assertive, but the Lakers just need to, they just need to play harder and they'll be fine. Yeah. But uh, so I, I think the Rockets um, uncertainty and, and what manifests itself in looking like they're tentative is, is the uncertainty that the zone presents. And that's why you throw a zone at people. It's a wrinkle, especially in NBA circles, like, you know, Syracuse and teams, Baylor, they use it as a weapon. Um, NBA guys don't really use it as a, as a necessarily an offensive weapon. They just want you to have some doubt in what you're trying to do offensively. And that is the difference between like squeezing a shot. When, when you have like, I don't know, three tenths of a second to get a shot up, um, you don't have time to be indecisive. Like that's got to fly. And if the zone creates just a little bit of um, un- un- uncertainty in your mind, that's all it takes to get you off of that shot. Yeah. In the third quarter, the Rockets got got back into it, and they kind of figured it out. They kind of started, you know, they started making more shots. 
Um, they started setting the tone a bit more, and that's also when the Lakers kind of took their foot off the gas. But you put up, you you brought up, you brought up pre- playoff Rondo, playoff Rondo bald. Um, he had he had ten points, nine assists, was a plus twenty eight from the floor. I've been watching the Lakers a long time. We all know the Laker fans. Rondo is a is is a sour subject among Laker fans, especially during the regular season. But there is this phenomenon of playoff Rondo going back to his Celtic days. What is it about the playoffs for certain player players that they just play better? There's a lock in. There's a focus. Is it the style of play? Like what is it going on for Rondo right now? Yeah, I think I think there are a few factors there. Um, you know, the pace is going to slow down. Like you've seen the under hit in a bunch of these games. Um, like, and you've seen what what appears to the casual fan as like, you know, the 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 offense isn't what it was. But really, what it is is the defense has has gotten a lot better. And when you start really being able to dial into a series um, and game plan, the, it's going to slow down. The pace is going to slow down. And I think Rondo operates in that type of game at this point in his career. You know, a lot better. Right? That's going to fit his style more than more than. Um, a regular game, which Alex Caruso, because he's got those good fresh legs and he wants to run up and down, like that kind of fits him better. Um, so I think it's the style of, of a playoff game. And also, like, there are guys that are just built for moments, you know, and for for bigger moments than other moments. And, I, I, like, I've always talked about it as I coach, like a kid, he doesn't practice well. And you worry about him and you're like, man, like, you know, gives no effort in practice or really doesn't really care about it. But if you turn those lights on and you need a bucket – like he's ready to go and you can count on him for that. I think there's a little bit of that to Rondo too. Like, you know, he's just built for those moments and there's certain guys that you see have that quality about them. Yeah. And Rondo has the experience, but I'm looking at this roster, man. Who else do you have? If Rondo struggles, who else do you have? Like Caruso played 26 minutes, only scored two points, was one of five. You know what I mean? And then you talk, you see Deion Waiters only played three minutes. J.R. Smith has been unplayable during these playoffs. Who do you have, man? I, I don't see anybody else to to play. You're gonna have to stick it out with Rondo. I, I don't I don't know anything. And also Rondo had the braids in. He had the real straight back energy. Right. It was really it was like it was like a game out of 2005. He was really he had his swag going. I don't know who else. I don't know who else you put in in that backup guard to be that ball handler. Um, yeah, well, depth has been an issue for them. Like that's why coming down to the trade deadline and whatnot, they were scrambling and throwing, you know, throwing the offer out to everybody because depth was something that they were going to struggle with. Um, and they had already seen that. I I think, you know, Caruso, um, as a young player is going to be up and down in his role. Right. And you've got Rondo who at this age stage in his career and at this age, um, maybe up and down also, you just have to hope that one of them is, is solid on the night that the other is not, right? And then you've seen the Lakers also. You've got LeBron and AD who you can count on. You just need, like, supplementation of of some sort of good offensive game from any of the other uh, usual suspects out there. Like, it could be KCP. It could be Danny Green. It could be Kuzma. It could be Morris, Rondo, or Caruso. Like, you just need two of those guys to give you something. And I feel pretty confident, I think Lakers do too, that you can get, and roll the dice, even if it's not every night from all of them, that two of them on any given night are going to give you something. And if they don't, you're probably going to lose. Another thing I've been seeing, though, is when Rondo has the ball, it takes the ball in LeBron's hands. And LeBron has also talked about how he wanted to be the primary ball handler. And you can see during the game where he's calling for the ball as Rondo has it, and, Le- and Rondo's just not giving it to him. Does that 
Does that help the opponent, though, when Rondo just has the ball and he's taking it? Does that help the opponent when it's not on LeBron's hand and it's, and it's in Rondo's hands? No, I think it actually helps LeBron. Um, if, if, if the guy with the ball is capable of orchestrating offense, and R- Rondo is. Like, Rondo might not be uh, an, an offensive threat in terms of scoring the ball a lot, and, and, but he, he knows how to orchestrate offense. He's done it. He knows how to control tempo. You saw him do it last night offensively and defensively. And on those Cleveland teams, even on the Miami teams, when LeBron was winning championships, in both of those situations, you had people who would have that ball in their hands. Kyrie, Dwayne Wade. Like when push comes to shove, you want it in LeBron's hand. But but there's someone else that could take some of that off because what happens, Logan, is like if LeBron is only the only player that's ever going to have the ball, defenses can really load up on that, man. They can make it really difficult. So, you know, I, I think it's good for LeBron. He wants it in his hand. He's great with it in his hand. But, but having someone else who can orchestrate and set up the table, I think is good for him. I think you need it. A- I'm I'm skeptical, and I think this is going forward, and this might be an adjustment. But the fact that Rondo can't score on a regular basis, I think, hurts them because then you turn Rondo into what we saw with Russell Westbrook, right? You just put him at the corner, and you just say, "Hey, you're gonna have to shoot this," and we're just gonna live with that result. Even with this great game, he was still one of five from three point range. We know that Rondo can't shoot. He he just he can't shoot. That's that's been the bag on him. For throughout his whole career, I am curious what kind of wrinkle that they put on Rondo to where did they make him? Sh- did they just k- leave him open and just say, "Shoot five threes a game"? We don't care. Um, I would. I mean, like it's simple. It's a simple. This is this is not like again. I would. It ain't rocket science. Like some, we, we tend to overthink it. Like if you can't shoot, I'm daring you to shoot. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm I'm probably maybe this gets us into the the conversation about AD a little bit because I want to hear your thoughts on like. Um, on what AD looks like, especially because he's the only, and we talk about this a lot, he's the only player out there that has no matchup. Like, there's no, there's no matchup for him in Houston's, like, roster. So, like, he's got to be dominant. But, like, um, I would, I would, I would try, like, if I was Houston, I would fly around and, and, like, I would try to soft trap LeBron if I could at the top, and then I would definitely hit AD on the block. And any, I'm just going to let either Rondo or even Caruso shoot it. And I'm going to close out with the LeBron closeout to your point, and we're going to live with the results. I think you know, going into Anthony Davis, he was he balled this he balled, um, but he was out rebounded by PJ Tucker again. And I think in this series, Anthony Davis has to average at least 15 rebounds. He has to. He is a, especially when the Lakers go small and you take out JaVale, who, JaVale McGee, who was injured, and I don't know if he's going to play in game three, but especially when you don't have the too big lineup that the Lakers put out, um, you got to have Anthony Davis rebounding a lot more and being a lot more aggressive than he than he has been of late. Um, we talked about this earlier in the postseason. Anthony Davis is the biggest, um, he's the biggest X factor for this Lakers team. He just is. There's nobody that can guard him, but he has to have that mindset of I'm going I'm going to have to get 38 and 20 tonight. That's just what it is. I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to be aggressive in the paint. I'm not settling for threes. He's settling for threes a lot. And that's the mindset that they're going to have to have with going forward if they're going to win at this level because there's not a lot of supporting cast on this Lakers team. Um, look, I I agree with you 100%. And we talked about you talked about um them not having the bigs in and AD slide into the five. Like they didn't even really get into Dwight Howard last night. Like they, they scaled down. They, they, they changed the lineup. Morris ate up those minutes. So now it puts AD 
in a position where, and again, I have this conversation with people uh, who have sons that are six, 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 seven, six, eight in high school. And they're like, he's a guard. And I'm like, I don't give a damn. He's still got a rebound. Like even at six, eight, you can be a guard and have a guard skill set, but somebody's got to rebound a damn ball. Like, so get down there and, and, and work. And I think for me, this was my concern about AD. And I don't know that I still have it, but this was the concern coming in is when you got to this moment, if this series goes two, two, three, three, um, will he be willing to say, all right, I got this shit. Like I see a clear advantage on a block LeBron with all due respect. I need you to trust me. I got this shit. I'm going down on the block. Let me get 45 tonight unless they double team me. And then I've done my job. I'm making plays for all of you guys. I can't, I don't, I know you can shoot threes. I know you've got a great pull-up game, but that's not where your bread is buttered in this particular series, dog. It's just not. You sound like we're, there's a real AAU dad, AAU dad energy right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like where you're just like, yo, getting the, you tell the big man just to get in the post and just go to work. But but listen, look, look, all jokes aside, we I coached a high school team two years ago. We had a kid. He was six seven. Um, he was a good scorer, but he just didn't embrace any type of work where his advantage was. We didn't try to turn him into a post player, but we explained to him, dog, there are ten extra points on buckets down there and fouls because you have such a great advantage. And it opened up his world. So that's all I'm saying. Like, dog, we we love that you got this 6'11 freaky skill set. That doesn't mean if you have 6'5 on you that you're not supposed to go down there and just bucket him to death on the block. And there's been a lot of times, and I know that AD stats don't necessarily show this, but there's been a lot of times where he's gotten muscled by Tucker. Just got just straight bullied by Tucker. Uh, boxed out by Tucker. He's a bu- He is a bully, though. I mean, I, he, he's a bully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you are also Anthony Davis. Correct. And you need and you need to ball out. And I think that the thing that, you know, I see this on socials a lot. They talk about AD and LeBron, you know, the best Lakers duo since Kobe and Shaq. Probably so, right? But the thing that separated the Kobe and Shaq was that Shaq was gonna say, he'll he'll text Kobe the night before or call Kobe the night before is just give me the ball. I need that. I we need give me the ball energy from Anthony Davis to close this series that's out. That's a great point. Yeah, that's exactly what you need. It just, just send that message. You know, when on the whiteboard, you erase everything and just say, give it to me. And we haven't seen that right now. And I think that there was something that you were saying about LeBron is LeBron may have the mindset of a number one, but sometimes he just doesn't have just the oomph of a number one right now. And I think that part of the Lakers and part of that team was just like, AD, just take the torch. Just take it. Yes. And I, th- I think the bubble... The, ju- the juice is what you're talking about, like in LeBron's legs. Like, you know, hey, he's still phenomenal, but... Oh, he's dunking all fools. He's still disrespecting people, yes. But what happens in, in, that, in, in, in the bubble when you're going every other night, there are going to be nights where that body at 35 doesn't respond like it did at 28. And so it becomes even more like uh, necessary for AD to say, look, I, I have this because, you know, I have the young legs and I'll carry us. Sure. I do want to. I do want to get into something that Draymond Green said. Um, he tweeted earlier this week. He said, all big centers not named Joel, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, and and Nikola Jokic uh, should be cheering hard for the Lakers right now. If Houston takes this series, it's going to hurt the value of the big man even more. Mm-hmm. I put Rudy Gobert in there too. You put Rudy Gobert in there? I don't put Rudy Gobert. I think the Rudy Gobert is one of the guys he's talking about where it says it's going to be extinct, No. Well, I'm, I'm, he might be, but I would put Rudy Gobert because he's so good defensively, and he, you know, he's just a rim run guy. I, 
there's some there's some there's some truth to that. You saw the Lakers again scaled down last night. Take the minutes from from um, the, the 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 Dwight Howards of the world. Give them the Morris and then slide AD down. So there's, I mean, Draymond's got a, a, a point. I do think that there is room in the NBA today's NBA for a good rim run, like get to the front of the rim type of big who's really got value defensively, either in blocking shots at the rim, but more importantly, I think being able to switch and keep things in front of you. You know what I mean? Or at least contain a dribbler, you know, as he's coming downhill at you. So I, he's right, but it's been trending that way for a while now where bigs are 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 are, are less and less of a necessity. And and I don't even think it's necessarily their size. It's the skill set that that's changing, right? Well, I think the biggest thing and the reason why I'm not putting Rudy Gobert in that, in that conversation with Cat and Joel is because he doesn't have an offensive skill set to keep a to keep a defense honest. He just doesn't. He has to get set up. He has to um yeah, he has to get set up. And he has to rim run. People have to pass him the ball. And I think Draymond's right in the sense that you have to have a skill set to be a threat. That there's no longer the days of Omar Ashik where you can just you're just there and you're getting paid a lot of money just because you're there. Omar Ash, a great name. You know what I mean? And I think that you have to have be an offensive threat. And I think that we'll see what happens. I don't necessarily know that um, they're going to be fully extinct, but I, I do think there's going to be a, more of a premium put on skilled bigs after this. Um, I, I think obviously in today's NBA, you're looking for you're looking for skill. Even out of your length, you want you want skill. But I, I do think there is a skill set in rim running from a high pick and roll because while you're not like having the ball in your hands and commanding a double team, you're, you're going to command something to have to rotate over and at least honor your role, which, which opens stuff up on the backside. So I, but there's also Ross, there's also an easy fix to that, right? If you're a skilled big run your ass up and down the floor and catch, like it's not, that's, it's not hard to, I mean, we know it's easier said than done, but it's not hard to rim run. It's not hard to do that. If you have all the other stuff, all you got to do is run the floor. You'll be fine after you do that. I've always said, um, Sean Marion, not 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 your prototypical big, right? But he played the four for us in Phoenix a lot. It's where he was. He wanted to play the three, but his most value to us was at the four. And people ask me a lot why those Suns teams, what was made you so dangerous offensively? It had to be Steve Nash, like in his brilliance on the ball, or it was Amari. And I was like, well, yeah, all of that, but what I felt made us like the most dangerous was the rim running big. And a lot of times it was Sean Marion because he was so fast. It just, you have to pick your poison if the big is flying to the front of the rim and two wings are flying to the corners. And if you pick the the dunk, then we're going to shoot these threes. And if you pick the threes, we're going to get this dunk. It it just applies a lot of pressure on defenses. Sure. Um, right, let's, get into, let's get into Russell Westbrook. Mm. I'm going to read you a stat line and I want to get your, I want to get your honest take on the stat line. 10 points. Sounds all right. Not decent. No. Four of 15 from the field. 13 boards. 13 boards. Seven turnovers to four assists for Russell Westbrook. It was pretty ugly. Yep. You know what that says to me? Like, what does that say? Even if I didn't see the game, if I heard that stat line, I would say that's a high energy player um, who was playing his like tail off or trying to at least. Like, there was no. There was no lack of effort there, right? Like all of those numbers speak to high energy level, but it would also sound like you were moving way too fast. Like seven turnovers and four, like four assists, it would sound like you were pressing and just probably playing too fast. Now, it's funny you said that because Russell Westbrook said after the game, 
He says, right now I'm just running around. I got to look at film to see how I'm going to be effective. And when you look at the game, he was basically just getting cardio, man. He was running around. He was he was being the erratic Russell Westbrook. Right. <laughs> um, the other side of the Russell Westbrook conundrum, right, where, you know, he has a great game one. He probably overcompensates to the point where the Lakers are just giving him a three-point shot, and he's just taking it. He's bricking it. He's trying to keep them honest, but he can't shoot. But he's doesn't he doesn't acknowledge that he can't shoot. And he loses the game for his team, to be honest with you. Because if if Russell Westbrook has a a decent game, Rockets win. If he just has a, a just an average game, if he doesn't have seven turnovers, maybe if he's seven for, of 15 from the field, I think they win this game. And but it was funny though that he said he has to watch film because there was a clip that emerged, a video from uh, Fred Katz, who was a uh, Oklahoma City beat writer in 2016. He did this video from a media from a media scrum where Russ basically flat out said, "I don't watch film. I play spades during film. I listen to music when film is on. I just feel the game out." And it it was pretty illuminating to be honest, because when you watch Russ's game, it doesn't scream guy that just that just watch that watches film. It doesn't scream that. It screams guy that I'm just going to take this game over and y'all are going to have to adjust to me. Yeah. Is that common in the NBA? Mm, not in today's NBA. I don't I think most of your stars want enough of an edge whether it be personal motivation for like, you know, personal accolades or or purely winning championships. Like they are looking for any edge they can get. And my experience like with Cleveland and LeBron and and those guys is they they want to see, they want to know. They want they want to be able to confirm what their eyes have been telling them is happening or maybe illuminate them to something that isn't happening and they missed and and that's why they can't get it done. And so, you know, I Russell Westbrook does look like a guy. He plays off of high energy. He plays off of off of passion, and 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 you know, I, I, you don't want to take that away from a guy by by having him in his own head. But you have to pair that with some sort of understanding of what people are doing to you. And so he looks confused. Like when I watch him play, not in who he is as a player, but just in what's available to him against the Lakers. Like you've seen LeBron run down and block a few of his big shoulder, like he's getting downhill on people and he shoulders them and then he's going up with the layup. Well, they're tracking that. Like they're coming from behind. It looks like there's a point of emphasis from the Lakers to to make that run at him when he's going up. So, I mean, it's just good to know so that you have a counter for it. And so I, you know, I, I've got experience with Mike D. We watched a lot of film. We weren't a two hour um, film session team, but we were a team that was going to break down what was happening to us, talk about it, and try to figure out the antidote for it. And I, and I imagine that Russ is going to be doing that. Like I, I think at this point in his career, he'd be doing it. Yeah, and I mean, that, that clip was from 2016. That's four, three, four years ago. But I, I, I will say, when you do see him in the postseason here, down the stretch, when he's throwing the ball away, right? And, it's, and he's doing those, those shots, those jump shots, but then he's like, oh my goodness, he sees something way too late. Tries to tries to pass out of the jump shot and passes right into the defender or passes out of bounds. That screams non preparation where you don't know where that like that's a simple rotation that's going on and you just don't see it. Yeah, I mean it's like quarterback play. You got it. You got to know what's happening. You have to be able to know what they're going to do so you can execute like almost before it happens. 
So Raja, during your playing days though, right? You, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you watched a lot of film, right? Were there dudes, you know, I, have to, I mean, you could say names because we could be messy here, but were there dudes in the film room that just weren't paying attention, that just flat out just didn't care? Oh, y- y- yes. You know, when the lights off, they're just they're just sleep or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I've, just I've not fallen asleep in film. Oh wow. Okay. Facts. But this is here's the I've fallen asleep in film because I had coaches that didn't understand that you can't sit there for two hours and watch film. Do you know what uh, I'm saying? I got it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And so it's a coach's job to some degree. I mean, it's gotta be, you know, cooperation by the player. But dog, don't have me in there two hours. Like we're beating a dead horse at this point. I am falling asleep on you. Now you give me 30 minutes of good, clean, like cut to the point. Like this is what we're trying to get. I think most guys are engaged in the postseason. Regular season is different, Logan. Like anybody that tells you as a player, like they sat there in every single film session in the regular season and were locked in, they're lying to you. Like that's not, you're not doing that. But in the postseason, you know, what what most teams I was on, when you get into a series, as soon as the regular season ends and and your seating has like sorted itself out, you're going to get a DVD, right? Or at this point, it's not DVD. It's, it's a, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you evolution. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, it's going to be some sort of file and you'll click Roger, in. Are you old? I, am I? Um, are you old? Ask okay. my back. Um, but you're going to have your matchup and you're going to have, I don't know, a hundred clips of, of your matchup or your two or three perceived matchups so that you can break down what, what they want to do. Right. And then when you go in the next day, there's going to start to be team film that you're going to watch to start prep. So the unsung heroes in a lot of, are in a lot of these teams are the, are the, are the, are the video guys, right? They don't get a lot of credit, but they're providing everybody with the, the information that they need to be successful. So to not take advantage of that, um, would be criminal. I can't imagine Russ is not watching film. And, you know, I, th- I think, I think you'll see a much better, much more efficient. Cause he's not efficient right now. He's running around. Like he looks like he's playing super fast. I would, I would tell Russ like, and what do I sound like telling Russ how to play? But I'd say, slow down a little bit, take a beat, really understand what they're trying to do to you. And things are probably going to clear themselves up for you. The picture will become a lot more clear. Once you understand exactly what's happening, you slow down a little bit. Well, the fact is though, Russ had a bad game, man. But the thing, is, the the thing is with Russ, it's he's so polarizing because this, if you're gonna take Russ's highs, which they are high, you're gonna have to take these low games, and I think that we're just seeing that right now. But it's 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 more polarizing because it's been like this his whole career. Yeah, I you know what I hate. I, I I'm with you 100, and I'm a Russ fan, and so I'm taking the lows. I have no. This is a one-one series. Like we want to sit here and say. Oh damn! It could have been two zero, like, but it's not. It's a one-one series. That's just the way it is. And so, what really bothered me this morning as I woke up and started like meandering around was this: um, Mike D'Antoni's got to be better at getting rust. No, he doesn't. Like Mike, Mike don't have to be better. Mike's team's doing what Mike's team has done all year. Like Russ had a bad game to the point you just made. Like he had a bad game. It happens. It's it's on them as a team and Russ as an individual to sort that out and come back and be better next game. And I imagine they will. One thing I we just brought up, uh, Coach Mike D'Antoni, who you have, um, who has coached you, not the biggest defensive reputation, right? Right. But the Rockets are the best defensive team in the in the playoff bubble right now. They they I think before last game they were posting one hundred and one point four off uh, defensive rating. This team does not get a lot. Th- this coach does not get a lot of shine for his his uh, his defense. Is that fair? Um, I think it's fair because historically, like the numbers don't support Mike being a good defensive coach. 
Like, do you know what I mean? And I'm they're playing they're playing great defense right now, in part because they switch everything, and there's such a lack of a guy that can go down to the block and just punish you for the switch. Even AD, and we just talked about him, not really going to punish you for the switch. So if you're still going to rely on chat like contested mid range twos, like. There's a reason why people don't want to shoot those now. They're not they're not like analytically great shots to shoot. So his defense is perfect for what's going on in the NBA right now. But I I think you know that it's fair only because like some of the some of the things that our son's team struggled with and didn't win because of were, were defense. It wasn't Mike's fault though. I mean, we had Did you guys really put an emphasis on de- on defense no, though? Clearly the emphasis went on offense. Like we spent a lot of time on offense. That was our What baby. were your defensive but what were your defensive uh pep talks? Like did you guys have any did you guys have any adjustments defensively or was your first instinct to go, "Oh, we're just going to change how we play offense?" No. My, Mike did it. We spent a lot of time like trying to make defensive adjustments um but like as a as a chef, you're only kind of like as good as the ingredients that you're provided. You know what I mean? And we didn't have a lot of defensive ingredients, man. We just, we weren't ever going to be a defensive juggernaut. But Mike would go back to the table and like, let's say we were, you know, covering the turn on a pick and roll, meaning like I'm going to get over and the big's going to drop back and he's going to hold his ground until I get back in the play. And that was getting us torched. Like Mike had no problem like blitzing it or or doing what we had to do. We just didn't have the personnel to switch uh, and, and do those kind of creative things. So, you know, it's fair, but but Mike isn't just defenseless. He 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 talks about D. Yeah. I and I think what gets lost in this, right, is they're probably not a the Rockets have not been a good regular season defensive team. They did finish sixth in the 18, 2017, 18 season. But other than that, they just they haven't been a great regular season uh defensive team. However, in the postseason, especially when they go against the Warriors, um, you know, in the last couple of years, that heavy switch has done gave the Warriors problems, gave the Warriors fits because they were a mirror image of that. Um, you know, guys like PJ Tucker who are long guys, not necessarily tall, but long guys who can switch the pick and roll and can get bigs off the floor, right? Um, and for a team that doesn't if if you're a team that doesn't, you know, embrace the mid range, the Rockets could be a tough out for you, especially defensively. Yeah. Look, PJ is the PJ is the is the 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 engine that makes that defense tick. Like he is the one. Without PJ, none of that works because you you don't have the guy that can out rebound AD at six five. Like you don't have that. And so that's the that's the unique piece in the equation defensively there that makes that work. He's the football player that plays at the YMCA. I love that. He's the guy that is that is boxing you out, playing overly physical, probably fouling you a little bit, but you're not going to call it. He's talking shit. <laughs> he's hitting a corner three. He's a very skilled football player playing basketball right now. Well, he got a little sauce. He got he got his first pair of Kobe fives. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's like, you know what I mean? He's- PJ's a real one, man. Like not to not to, but he is because what he gets asked to do. Um, you know, my job was difficult. Like I had to go out there and I'd guard your one, two, or three, and you know, I'd have situations where dudes would be like, "Hey, man, I don't want to guard him, man. Like you take him, and you that's People just my- say that they just say that." I thought I thought I thought uh, NBA players had egos. They like I got them. No, they say, "Oh, hey, Roger, hey, Roger, bro, get him real quick." Yeah, there are certain situations where guys don't don't want that all the time, and that's fine. Um, but I rarely had to guard those bigs, and I'm six five too. Like PJ has to guard everybody, and getting like back PJ's down bench and, press is a lot more than yours, though, right? Yeah, he's a he's he's got he's a big body, but it's still a thankless job. It's a t- it's a really 
Like I, I just referenced my back at 45. Like you're going to feel that in a few years, bro. What's it like to switch onto a big as a guard? Uh, helpless. Like at that point, like, cause my, I didn't have the weight. So what I was trying to bait you into doing was like, I, I try to switch early. I'd start like wrestling with you around the free throw line. So, you know, most bigs like are like, you know, you ain't fucking stopping me from getting to the post. So I'm just going to big body you all the way down. Well, after the third bump, I'm falling down. So then it puts the you ref. Fl- in are, were you a flopper? Um, yeah, but, but like, I mean, if you're just going to keep banging into me with 290 pounds, like at some point I'm falling down, like it's too much. And I'm gonna put the ref in a spot where you got to call it. What was the big where you got Swiss on? You were like, fuck. Um, I don't, I mean, Shaq clearly, but I never had to switch on, 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 on Shaq that much. I switched. Okay. I switched on Dikembe Mutombo one day in practice, like with the, with, uh, we were in St. Joe's Philly when I just got there and he like, he turned with one of those elbows, like, and so at seven, whatever it is, like my seven eye, one. yeah. So that thing lit me up, just like blistered, like, and split my eye open. And, um, you know, at that point I was like, I have no business. Like first day of practice. No yeah. It was early in the experience. I was like, nah, I'm good. All right. Before we get to the, the Bucks and Heat, what, what, what's your prediction on this, man? I had, I had Lakers in five, thinking about six or seven right now. Yeah. I think, I think Lakers in six, I still roll with Lakers in six. Uh, I, I think Houston gets another one and, Look, if if Houston gets hot and they can dissect that, they could, it could get dicey. It could go seven, but I'm taking six. Here's the thing, though. The, the, the Rockets can get hot, as we've seen in the postseason, but the Rockets can also get historically cold and fumble the bag. So they're going to have to prove to me that they can win a full series. Before we move on, let's hear a word from our sponsors. The Ringer NBA show is brought to you by FanDuel. We're teaming up with FanDuel again this football season, but we got something new this time around. All season long, you can play the free Ringer Mega Contest on FanDuel. Here's how it works. Just pick five NFL games against the spread, including one double down pick. Get one point for every correct pick and two if you hit your double down pick. FanDuel will add up your score every week. Just finish in the top 100 on the season-long leaderboard to make the playoffs and compete for a share of $25,000. It's that simple. All right, scrolling the NFL season this week. See a couple locks, man. I think I'm taking Houston over Kansas City. Taking Seattle over Atlanta. That could be fun. I know there's a little problems, but I think I'm going to take New York over Buffalo. And you guys can do the same when you play the Ringer Mega Contest for free every week, only on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com backslash Mega Contest to make your picks today. That is FanDuel.com backslash Mega Contest. This episode is also brought to you by Square. With restrictions in place, many small and local businesses have made the shift to adapt. I know in the Bay Area, the Lumpia Company in Oakland, Brenda's in Oakland, they've also made the change to adapt to their customer base by having outdoor dining and having takeout food around the community. And also, if you're a business owner, Square has the tools to help you shift your business and stay connected to customers. No matter what you're selling, it's easy to set up an online store with pickup, delivery, and shipping. Square can also help you promote your business with tools for email marketing and social ads. Everything works together and it's all in one place. You just need a Square account to get started. See all the ways Square can help your business right now by visiting squareup.com backslash go backslash ringer MBA. That's squareup.com backslash go backslash ringer NBA. Now back to the show. All right, the next game, Bucks Heat, game four. I'm going to be honest with you, Raja. I wanted this series to be over. You know what I mean? I just, it was, it, it was just a game four. Uh, Giannis gets hurt. 
he hurts his ankle midway through the game. I'm just like he just put him out of their misery. The Bucks wanted to show heart, and I'm like, even down, even even when the Bucks were showing heart, the, the Miami Heat had control of the game throughout the most of the game, and they just fumbled the bag. And I'm just like, yo, just beat them, please, just beat them. We don't need to have another game five. We don't have to. We don't have to play another game. Let's just let's just get the series over with. Yeah, I mean. The Heat, the Heat fell asleep at the wheel. I mean, I got to give a shout out to like Chris Middleton. He was fantastic. But the Heat, the Heat, they they definitely fell asleep at the wheel. It felt like when, and I don't know if you know this as a player, but like as a media member, I remember this last uh, last postseason when the Warriors played the Clippers. When the war, like a team clearly has it in the bag, they're gonna win the series, but then they just fumble it, and we have to go to another game. Like you're you're. You're already thinking about what you're going to do for the next week that you're going to have off. You know, you got some errands to run and stuff like that. And then the team just the team that's supposed to win loses. And then now you're having to make accommodations to go get on a flight the next day. The good news is you don't have to get on a flight now. Right. Like that would be the only saving grace. Like you're just going to go back to your hotel room. Yeah. But then again, you know, you know, probably. Yeah, you're, Players, del- you know, you're delaying the inevitable here, right? That's what, I mean, we, we are, we, yeah. the Heat are going to win this series. Like, Giannis, we don't even know if he's going to play in the next round, right? Like, that's what, you, that's what you're saying. Like, why are we wasting our time? What, what game, are we doing? What are we doing? Middleton, Middleton decided to be a real one. I'm like, dude, what are we, what's going what we- on? <laughs> uh, is he a real one? He was a real one in game, th- in game four. Is he enough of a real one to be, is he enough of a real one to be what he would need to be for Giannis and him to win a championship? Is he enough of a real one? No, but he. Had, I, I want to preface about it. he did have thirty six, eight and eight ball down the stretch. Hit a bunch of big shots. I think he's a. And this is on the rundown. Is he a true number two? My before I get to your answer, I think that he's an overqualified three. That he's just he just he outperforms being a three. But when you put him in number two situations, he's just not it. And that's fine. You know, he's an all star in a, in a weak Western Eastern Conference. You know what I mean? I think that. I I I I don't see him as a as a number two guy for Giannis. I like that. I would I would maybe say he's a number two if you had an over another overqualified number three, right? Like I think I think he could make up for the number two spot if you had a better number three than they have, like someone who's maybe almost as good as him. But I don't think he's a true number two either. Uh, you know, but I, I want to be fair to him. Here's here's Mike Budenholzer has like the rest of the NBA, the Giannis thing is really fun to watch and it's really productive in the regular season. And he's so different than everybody else out there that you've given him the ball and, you know, it's going to produce like a lot of regular season wins. The problem is like when you really lock down into it and that's the way you play, there's some real things that you could take away, making it really hard for Milwaukee to score. And if you really want to know if Chris Middleton's a number two, I think you probably have to be willing to play a little different if you're Budenholzer. And I don't know if I don't know if you can do that. I think the cat's out of the bag. Giannis plays the way he plays. And I think to some degree it marginalizes Chris Middleton. I'm taking Giannis. I don't mean to like Giannis. I'm going with Giannis all day. But I don't think that the way they play really could give you a true, a true like understanding of whether Chris Middleton's a true number two or not. To be fair to Chris Middleton. I mean, Chris Middleton's a really good basketball player. Is he great? Probably not. But the the there the problem lies though is that he's averaging more points than Giannis right now. Yeah, that's tough. Giannis is your guy. Giannis is your best player. 
He needs, I mean, he's injured right now. We don't even know if he's going to be playing game five. Should he have done more, though? I, Giannis, it, with that in mind, should he, I don't think he needs to be averaging, what, 20 something a game in this series, and he's hurt. So I get that. I feel like he should have been averaging about like 30 and 15. He should be going back to his regular season average. I think his team should have done more. Um, Giannis has to be held responsible for that ultimately. I, I do think, though, and again, I, Giannis, the, the Miami Heat came out and, and, watched film like we just talked about that it was clear that they've been digging into the film and really constructing a game plan that they've been executing almost perfectly flawlessly um it then becomes on your head coach to help you as the star player as gifted as these dudes are if you're going to throw three people on them like they're going to struggle offensively. Like they're, they're, it's going to be hard to get to the bucket, especially when you're not Dame Lillard or Steph Curry who can pull up from you know thirty some feet from the bucket. When you're relying on getting to the basket, you've got to help him take the ball out of his hands a little bit, man. Like get that man the ball just on the block. His biggest advantage is on the damn block. They never post him up. Like they never post him up. He always got the ball at the top of the key, or he's in some kind of action at the top. Like get that man the ball, run some twist action where he's going into DHO, and then you're double screening along the baseline, a la Kevin Garnett, to get him into the post. Like they don't do anything like that. And so, uh, yes, Giannis should be playing better, but Mike Budenholzer has to do a better job with that. Like you're not helping him like navigate what's happening to him. And Budenholzer is one of those guys that has a rep too, man. He's a really great regular season coach, but has not has not coached well and his teams have not played well in the postseason, right? They have always underperformed to a certain extent. But I think that I do want to get into more Giannis really quickly, but I do I have one more question for you. We are both in agreement that the Bucks only have one star, a one bona fide superstar. Mm-hmm. Can you win in this league with just one star? No, you cannot. No, you cannot. And you can, and and two stars is it's tough. Bare minimum, though. Like, bare minimum, I think you need two stars. I'm looking back. I'm looking where you uh, at teams that have won a title with one star. We talk, The Raptors are probably the biggest example of this right now. I don't necessarily agree because we know that Siakam has balled since then, and he, was, he, he is an all-star, and he's probably going to be one of the top, I don't know, 10, 15 players in the league. And, bro, you had a torn Achilles and a, and a, and a, and a ruptured Achilles and a, to- a tore ACL. Exactly. And the Raptors, you can make the argument, still probably could have lost game seven if Steph doesn't make if Steph makes that that shot in game six. You know what I mean? If they're going back to Toronto for game seven, I think the Warriors win the series. But that's besides the point. The 2019 Raptors, 2011 Mavs, yeah. um, 2006 Miami Heat. Nah. Um, you don't think so? I think that might be a stretch. Shaq that was and Shaq. Uh, D-Wade? Shaq and D-Wade, but Shaq did not have a great series in the 06 series. And I know I'm stretching it. Shaq carried that. And, and like up, up until that point. But I think that, that therein lies a point that is that you you're I'm stretching to find names right yes. now, right? I'm thinking of the 06 Suns, which which you were a part of, right? Only had Nash to kind of carry that. I just you do need a second star. I don't know if the Bucks can get a second star right now for Giannis. I don't know what that is. And that goes into the next question. Kevin O'Connor, Chris Vernon, the mismatch friends of the show said uh, that Giannis is Shaq without a Kobe. I think this is really interesting with that logic. Who could be a good Kobe 
for Giannis's Shaq. And I have a couple names for you. And I want to get your take. Devin Booker. Yeah. Could be a good guy. We going one by one or you going to roll them off? Let's go one by one. All right. Devin Booker, what do you think? Um, absolutely. Uh, a guy who can handle the ball, get Giannis off of the ball, and create, like, get anywhere on the floor where he wants. That's what doesn't allow Chris Middleton to be the true number two if I'm really looking. Like, he's just going to shoot, like, you know, contested jump shots. You're going to – some nights they go in, some nights they don't. Devin Booker's an all-around scorer. Get where he wants to go on the court. Um, preserve space. So, yes, that works. Damian Lillard. No doubt. No doubt. You put those two in some pick and roll action, like the, the, the space that Dame creates, he can, he's another guy who could get wherever he wants on the floor. And I think his passing ability um, with Giannis allows Giannis to like get some easy buckets, like some easier ones than he currently gets. And Lillard played alongside uh, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge early in his career. He knows how to play with a big. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think that also um, another, another name, James Harden. I'm not really if on this one. I don't think he could because he's such a he just holds on to the ball so much. Yeah, that's a good. I would. I, I got nothing to say about that. You're absolutely right. I think that's just a little over usage right there. All right, let's get messy. Vincent Goodwill of the of Yahoo Sports said that among the suitors for Giannis will be the Toronto Raptors and the Miami Heat. Mm. Before we get to those two teams, also also the Mavericks. Um, well, before we get to those teams. What, what do you think about Steph, Steph Curry and um, Giannis as a pairing? That's a no-brainer. That's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a Dame Lillard, but maybe even a little bit better than Dame pairing with Giannis for all of the reasons, um, except Steph ain't going to be in the paint as much as Dame, so you, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, but he opens the floor in a way that you, can't, you don't even – oh, my goodness. Anything. I mean, you could talk about on-ball screens. You could talk about just setting off-ball screens and slip into the bucket because you've got to – Giannis's man is going to have to help on Steph, and there Giannis is at the front of the bucket. It just puts a lot of pressure on defense. And the Warriors aren't slick. I was at this game, and uh, TD brought this up. The Warriors had Greek night. The night that um, that Giannis that Giannis came to town, <laughs> Greek night. I love it. No tampering there. No tampering. Yeah, not not by name. Um, but uh, all right, let's let's get into uh, the the Raptors. Let's see. Do you think Kyle Lowry would be a would be a good um, partner? I don't think the Raptors really fit with Giannis because of Pascal Siakam um, and where he wants to get most of his buckets. Like I see them as a slight. A slight duplication of skill sets there. Lowry, yeah, Van but Vliet. I think though, if that happens though, you would have. I, I'd assume that they would do like a sign and trade, and they would get Pascal. Okay, well, I mean, like if that, you know, if that like say there's a sign and trade, you just yeah. I, I could cause, and Nick Nurse. You know why I think that works, even if, even if uh, I don't. The Kyle Lowry is fantastic, uh, but I, I, I think those other two are better point guards. But I, I trust Nick Nurse. Like I trust that you're going to do what I don't think Budenholzer is doing right now. Is look at what you got, figure out the best way to like optimize the skill set and and work that out. Last one. And this will be a twist of fate. Jimmy Butler. <sighs> I'm going to say, this is what I'm going to say. Like on paper. I like it. No, I like it. Good. All right. On paper at face value, face value, I would say not a great fit, like skill wise, because he doesn't really space the floor and whatnot. But I'm going to trust Jimmy Butler to work with just about anybody you put him with, bro, because if if they want to win and they got some dog in them, Jimmy figures it out. Real win of the playoffs, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, Jimmy figures it out. He makes it work. Like he's a dog. So I yes, I, the heat, the heat culture in general with all the shooters and Jimmy, I that would be super fantastic. Dope. Yeah. 
All right, so do we expect Giannis to play in, in game five? I, I, Budenholzer said that he'll see, you know, the the cliche, we'll see how he does over the next 24, 48 hours before determining the status um, of his ankle. Does he play? Bubble got you again, bro. I think he plays because uh, I think Giannis is built like that. Like, if he doesn't play, I think it's Milwaukee saying, like, taking one swing at, like, hey, man, we're trying to protect you. We're preserving your future. You mean too much to us to risk you. I think Giannis is going to want to play. Um, the only problem is you're talking about a one-day turnaround in the bubble. So, I, I mean, if if the shit's the size of a watermelon, like, you can't play. Yeah. I, I Also, and this is something that's, that's always going to be a storyline until – Giannis signs an extension, if he signs an extension. He can be an unrestricted free agent in 2021 if he does not sign this extension. If Giannis goes up and says, yeah, I don't want to play. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to play with the Bucks beyond my contract. If he goes and tells you, just be straight up with you. Do you trade him on the spot? Or you just ride it out and see if I can just like convince him to stay in Milwaukee? That's and hope that he point. gives you a sign and trade. Like, just hope by the grace of God he gives you a, a sign and trade. Yeah, I because uh, you've been a, you've been an exec. Yeah, I mean, I don't love the player just dictating right off the bat how that's going to go down. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, from a player's perspective, I love it, but from the front office, like, I don't, I don't love the dictating of I don't want to be here. I probably ride that out. See if I could. You're probably not going to convince him to stay there, but. I probably ride that out, man. A la New Orleans Pelicans and 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 the Lakers, yeah. But nah, but a, but AD got traded though. AD didn't go. Uh, not, you know what I mean? Not, not when he first said though, right? Like he it wasn't like I want to be out. Like they ran they ran that all. Nah, the way it was kind of speculative, and then he just said I request a trade last year. That's basically how it happened. Because it was speculative, you know. Like I don't know, I might sign my extension. He was flirting a little bit. AD was, and then he was around the trade deadline. He was like, trade me now, and they didn't trade him, and then it went there. So. I think a bigger, like, the biggest example of LeBron um, in 2010 is where, like, hey, man, I don't know if I'm coming back. I don't know. And I, I just want to preface this by saying Giannis has never said, like, straight up, I'm leaving or even, like, hasn't openly flirted with the idea. Of, he like, said Yo, just man, the opposite. Yeah, I want to be in Milwaukee is what he said. Um, you know, there have been some stories that have leaked that, you know, the if he doesn't win a championship, he's dipping. Or if he doesn't, you know, he's not competing for titles. He's dipping, uh, but it's all fluid. As a teammate, though, and I don't, I don't think you've been a teammate, but do you think you would care so much if if this is over the team's head of like, oh, Giannis might not come back. He may come back. So I've never been in this this situation, but I think it de- it depends on who you are on that team, man. Like, and whether your team can win a championship or not, or you guys think you're that close to it. If you guys think you're that close to it, I think it. Yes, that bothers you, right? Like you're like, man, damn, we're that close, bro. Like we don't need the distraction, you know. Um, I feel like that's for more for veteran guys, though, right? Yes. Veteran guys that have have security and contracts and things like that. Like you know, my situation most of the time was like, is my paper straight? Like I'm good, we're good. Like I'm paid. Is there's my contract locked in? Then I'll just play my my nuts off and we'll 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 let the chips fall where they may. You know what I mean? I didn't have the luxury of really caring about that, but honestly, like to you know, I wasn't in that situation, so I don't really know. I think it becomes a distraction if you, like, KD made it a distraction, right? Like, it, whether it was, it just became a distraction. I don't, not, KD didn't make it, but that, that became a distraction. I don't have a lot of other instances of it, of it really distracting people. Like LeBron, that. for sure. Which year was that? What, the two, uh, 2010. That was the whole year. Yeah. And he's openly flirting with, like, I don't know if I'm going to. Yeah, it I did. Because Kyrie then wants to bounce, right? Like, in. 
No, no, no. This is 2010. This is the first go around before he went to the Heat. Oh, shit. And, you know, LeBron's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not when you were there. I got you. Uh, We didn't... Even in 2014, we didn't know that he was going to to Cleveland, but that was always the big thing. And LeBron is so good that you just ride it out. And um, definitely, you know, in Golden State, Kevin was definitely a distraction. I mean, obviously, that's why him and uh, Dre kind of was at odds. And I don't know. It is a distraction. I don't know. I... I, I haven't been a player, but I know for younger guys, they're just trying to get a deal, bro. They're just trying to stay in the league. I think for more established guys like Draymond, like Steph, like Clay, obviously they want Kevin to stay on the team. Right. You know, but Yeah. For the for the Bucks where they are now, it would be a distraction because they're that close to, you know, like in their mind, they're 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 the best team in the league every year, at least in the in the regular season. They think they can win a championship. Yeah. Um let's look ahead to the playoffs. Uh is Miami a title contender? Yes. Yes, like, and I, I said last week on a Miami station that Miami could represent the Eastern Conference in the finals, but I didn't think that they could beat the Lakers or the Clippers. My gut still says that, but the Lakers and the Clippers have been so up and down in these playoffs that the Miami Heat, absolutely, it's wide open in my opinion. The Miami Heat are probably my favorite team in the bubble right now. They're my favorite team to watch right now. At first, it was the Why? Rockets. Why? Because there's just so many real ones on that team. Even when they lost, even when they lost um, in Game Four, Tyler Harrell's just hitting crazy three pointers. Like they didn't, they didn't just die. Right. And then you got Jimmy Butler, who was bona fide, and it's that Heat culture. And Spolstra is a Hall of Fame level coach, and it shows every time we see him coach that team. I just really like their grit. I really like how good they are. Bam Adebayo is just such a great player, man. He's going to be a star in this league. Mm-hmm. I just really like how they do business in the Heat way, and they're just so tough. I'd be scared, like you know how, especially if the Lakers played them and the Clippers played them, because we're just assuming that they're just somehow, some way that one of those teams are going to get out of the Western Conference. If they just start lollygagging and doing that stuff that they do, the Heat are going to blow them out. Yes, they have the potential to do that. They they do for for those two teams. The problem for them is I don't think that they. The teams that they would have to go through to do that, yeah, are bad matchups for them. Like, not sure. that they can't beat them, but you're I talking think, about the uh, you're talking about the Raptors and the Celtics. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Those 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 two teams are kind of like this. The, you know, they play more like the Heat than either the Clippers or the Lakers do. Like, do you know what I mean? And they're the matchup is the matchup is a little it's a little tricky. But if they get through either the Celtics or the Heat, and also that's it, if they get through the Celtics or the Heat. I mean, Celtics or the Raptors, that's going to be a tough matchup, man. I really like this Heat team. I really like them a lot. Um, and they're going to be good for years to come, man. I, st- I, I agree with you 100%. Um, it's, it's sustainable down there in Miami, man. When you have everything in place from top to bottom and you're all on the same page with how you want to work culturally, it's pretty cool. I would say this, though. I think if they make the finals, um, while they can beat – the Lakers and the Clippers, like the Lakers and the Clippers would have to do what they did in like game one for the Lakers and game two for the Clippers. Like they would have to be lunching. Like, you know what I mean? I don't, I think if they were both dialed in, they'd be a little too much for the heat, but they've both shown you that they won't be dialed in every night. Yeah. Who's more, whose lows have been more disappointing between the, uh, the LA teams? Clippers. Yeah. The Clippers. I mean, cause they did it all. I mean, they did it to you all regular season too. Like uh, for me, I don't want to like harp on the Clippers slander too much. I do think that the Clippers 
they just fumbled the bag when they were supposed to go up 2-0, man. You know what I mean? I think that you gotta you gotta seal the deal when you're about to go up 2-0 when you're the team that's supposed to win. Right. And they just didn't do that. There's so many lulls on that team. Um, I think that they beat the Denver Nuggets. Um, probably it's probably gonna be a longer series than it should be, but I think they'll beat them. Raptors, Boston, right now. Who, what are your thoughts on that series? That's tough. That's tough. I think it should it should be three one right now. Um, I Boston should have won game. What was it? Three? I thought. Uh, but it should be a. It could, they make an argument. It should be a sweep. I tell you what, they're in for a doff. I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto won the next one. I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto sitting there up three two. That's three point. That's a three point shooting. That, look, that one goes by like you know whichever team is making threes in that series, the numbers bared out out. Like whoever's shooting better um, is probably going to win that. But I, I, you haven't even seen a good Pascal Siakam yet, and so that like if I'm Boston, I'm like, damn, if he gives me a game, Van Vliet and, and Lowry are just what they've been over the last couple of games. We might have problem. Sure. Um, let's get to real one of the week. You guys mm-hmm. real one of the week. Uh, let's 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 get to real one of the week, which is a person. An entity that displays all the characteristics we want in a person. Mm-hmm. What is yours, Roger Bell? Um, my real one of the week, all right, is Coach Mike Malone. All right? Mm. Yeah. For coming out, um, the NBA not allowing coaches to have any visitors in the bubble, which is absolutely ludicrous. You've let, you've, I mean, come on, bro. You, you let, have all those teams that left the bubble. You, all those teams that left the bubble, you're letting players which is fine, but then you're going to let refs have one visitor and you're not going to allow coaches to have a visitor and see their family. Like for him stepping up and calling out, (laughs) like biting the hand that feeds him, so to speak, like that's real one for me because he's right. Like that's stupid. Also, Mike Malone has been a real one in these streets. Let's keep it a buck. Let's keep it G real. (laughs) My real one of the week, we're going to go to the WNBA. Okay. Arike Agumbawale of the Dallas Wings, 39 points. Cooking. See, cooking. Mm-hmm. Help the Wings beat the Mystics and take a game and a half lead for the final playoff spot. Yo, man, she is balling. She's killing it. And also, I don't know how much you're watching the W right now, but the Dallas Wings are a team to watch. They have Satu Sabali and Bella on that team. They have a really young squad that's going to be in contention for years to come. So, Agumbawale, baller, real one, certified. Um, before we get out of here, Kevin loves 32nd birthday today. Shout out Virgos. Shout out Virgo gang. We're the best sign of all time. No doubt. Any any love stories from him? What's going on? What's uh Kevin love stories? Any Kevin love ah, stories you want to you want to tell? I don't got Kev is a good dude, man. I like Kev. Kev was uh Kev made the most of a probably uncomfortable situation at first there for him in Cleveland. And I always appreciated Kev's ability to kind of navigate that, man. I don't have any specific stories about Kev, but I know like that was a difficult transition for a dude to go from being the number one to being number three and making the most of it, you know? That was a real PC answer, man. Good job. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, your birthday's coming up, man. We're going we gonna to celebrate that some kind of way. It's probably uh, in a couple weeks, bro. Shout out to Virgos. There we go. And that has been the Monday edition of the Ringer NBA show. Quick disclaimer, though. We still vet names. So if you want to um, send Raja a telegram, if you want to send me uh, come to my mentions and, <laughs> and uh, do some suggestions for some names, just holla, holla at us. Big ups to Sasha. Big ups to Steven, our producers. Big ups to TD, our producers. Um, you can listen to us on Spotify and wherever you get podcasts. Make sure you tap in, subscribe, do all that stuff. And uh, we'll see you next week. 